you can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Back to Barton and Bud. I'm Barton Simmons with Bud Elliott. It's it's like Black Sunday right now. We're uh, recording as always on Sunday evening. The kids are down. Um, the house is quiet, and Gus Malzahn is somewhere counting his money, smoking a cigar, probably relieved that he doesn't have to live in the pressure cooker that is the Auburn football coach any longer. Um, Bud. The, the coaching carousel finds a way, man. Here we are. It does, man. It it, it does. And it, what what a weird timing like this year. Normally we we have firings well before this, and you know it, it were December thirteenth. Auburn fires its coach. Wednesday is the early signing period, which you can watch us on CBS HQ for eight hours. Now, if you're watching the YouTube version of this, it'll look just like this, except we, we'll be in a professional studio. I will not be wearing a dry fit shirt. Barton will not be wearing a poncho. We'll be have you know I'll probably wear ties, and we'll talk for literally eight hours on recruiting. Which, by the way, dude, and it's on CBS HQ. Make sure you have the CBS HQ app, or you can pull it up on your TV. If you have a smart TV, I mean, you're balling kind of like Gus Malzahn is. Um, you, you can put it on your smart TV. Put it on all the TVs at your work, especially if you're in one of these spots that you know you're the only person in the office and you have all these TVs. You can put it on. That's that's really above and beyond. But man, Gus Malzahn is out at Auburn, and we have a lot to discuss. This is Barton and I both like coaching search stuff, not just the the rumors, but also the the nitty gritty of the why he's out and how good is his job and all kinds of stuff like that. So we think the feedback shows that you like you guys like when we nerd out on just a topic or two. You know, the, the, like the, the no huddle stuff we do is fun, but at the same time, I like being able to deep, to deep dive stuff. So we were going to do a little National Signing Day preview. My guess is if you're listening to the show, you follow recruiting and you follow 24-7 sports pretty closely anyway. So just watch us on CBS HQ. We'll definitely do a signing day recap, kind of big lessons show, but we're not going to do the signing day preview. I want to dig into this Auburn thing. So what what was your initial take when, when you saw this come down? I heard the reports um, in the weeks prior. I kind of, I mean, I, now let me, just, let me clarify here. I, I, there was, I'd say what, maybe three maybe three to four weeks ago, there started to be a little bit of, a, of, of some whispers that Malzahn could, could be on the hot seat. I don't know that I, I don't know that those whispers got to me until maybe a couple weeks ago, maybe, maybe two weeks ago, maybe even a week and a half. I don't know, like not that long ago. I wasn't paying attention before that. And even once I started hearing those whispers, I was a little bit in disbelief because Gus Malzahn's always on the hot seat. Every year, his job is in jeopardy. Every year, people are frustrated and upset. Every year, people want a little bit more. And so I was like, well, this is just another year that we hear the Gus Malzahn hot seat rumors. And by the way, they're not that bad. They just beat Alabama last year. He's got a $21 million buyout. 
we're in a pandemic. I don't know. Like it doesn't, I don't, this is, it probably isn't going to happen. And I did, I did assume that if they beat, if they lost to Mississippi state, he was probably gone. They beat Mississippi state. Now it was an ugly game, but they beat Mississippi state. And so I thought, okay, well that's that. And then I wake up this morning and message boards start popping that Gus Malzahn's gone or whatever it happened this afternoon. Uh, and Martin so, sleeps until three o'clock Eastern. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, I, yeah, I got to say, I'm a little surprised. And, and we've talked about this before. I, th- this is not me judging Auburn for making this decision. I'm good with it. You guys want to make that play? You know, this is a guy that's had you in the top 15 for about as long as he's been there. They're always competitive. They're always a threat to beat Bama. Um, so it's, it's not going to be easy to find someone better, but I, I get it. I understand when things have run their course and people are just ready to move on and try something new and see if that's something and, and just go to door number two and try and, and hope it's better. So I get it. I feel you do you Auburn, but I was surprised given all of the circumstances. I, I, I was too. I, I, I really thought it, you know, just, if they beat Mississippi State, they'll probably limp this thing along another year. Do they really want to pay the $10.5 million that is due within 30 days, the, the, the poison pill, so to speak, of that contract? And the rest of the, of the deal, the, the 14 extra million, I mean, over four years, that, that's, that's pocket change, to be real here, to the SEC teams who just got this brand new you know, SEC game of the year, or, or, or will get it rather, uh, deal you know, with, with ESPN. Um, I was a little bit surprised, and, and so I, I called around, and I, I know, you know we, we both spoke to people today, and, and you know read a bunch of stuff as well to try to figure out, okay, why, why now? Like, why did Auburn feel like it had to go now, as opposed to letting maybe have new offensive coordinator Chad Morris have a full off season, or just any kind of off season, as opposed, as opposed to this COVID off season to implement his stuff and, and you know let Bo Nix have his junior year and, and, and that, that kind of stuff. I think part part of this though it does relate to where they are relative to the best programs, not only on the field, because this year it looked like they didn't really measure up against Bama. Obviously, they lost by four scores, and and as it was told to me, like that's never acceptable. We don't want to hear that Nick Saban is the best coach in the history of the sport, and that he just does this to everybody. You know, it's like it's true, but we don't want to hear it, and we don't have to accept you know that every time we go to Tuscaloosa, we get blown out. All right, we're three and five against Bama uh, under Gus, but you know, for the most part, the wins are pretty close, and the losses are oftentimes really ugly. As were, by the way, a lot of their games this year. I mean, they, they had a couple of those close wins that, you know, I'm not going to say they didn't deserve to win, but certainly they they had some calls go in their favor and whatnot. And so, my the, the guy I was talking to was like, "Look, we can see it. We're falling behind the other programs in our division." You know, we're, we're, we're falling behind Bama. We're certainly, we're a little bit worried about A&M. And in, in recruiting, that's where it really is. And, and I, I looked it up to see if he was just being emotional or reactionary. And, and I, Barton, I actually found some interesting stuff here. Three of Gus's four worst recruiting classes will have come in the last four years. So there is definitely a trend that Auburn is not recruiting as well as it had been. And if they're worried about the future, and they want to kind of nip this thing in the bud, 
I think that's what why they did this. They are not recruiting the state of Georgia as well. They have zero commits from the state of Georgia. I mean, Auburn is the team that is famous for having the assistant coach tell the player many years ago uh, when the guy was like, hey, coach, I want to stay in state. He was like, well, son, you're in luck. Auburn is in state, <laughs> in the state of Georgia. You know, So uh, there's, there's a lot of signs there. The, the recruiting losses, not getting anybody in the state of Georgia this year, kind of reading the tea leaves, and then the – the very high-profile losses, losing out on George Pickens, losing out on a Justin Ross, that that type of stuff, and then not recruiting the, the offensive tackle position and not having a functioning offensive line to allow them to kind of develop a passing game and, and move beyond some of this wing T stuff. That's kind of the reasons that, that, that were given to me. Um, does it mean I would have made the move? I don't know. But at least that's where the Auburn folks are coming from. I think one thing that um, makes sense, like it's almost like, look, if you are, if you know you got a girlfriend, you know you're not in love with her, you know this isn't the girl you're going to marry, like you don't have to wait for a fight to break up with her. You can, it, it can just be a normal Saturday and you can just say, you know what, this isn't going to work. You know, if, and if Auburn decided that this isn't going to work, and this is this is it, and this this run its course, falling out of love with old Gus, then I do think it makes sense to like not give him a chance to 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 survive again, to not let him get to next season and see. You know, he gets a couple wins. You mentioned they got a couple of the key games at home, um, and maybe he survives that thing and has another year, and you. you and now you're stuck with a girl you don't love for another year. Uh, and so I, I get that. I also do kind of understand that the strength of that team, and we're going to talk about some potential candidates here in a minute, but um, the strength of that team has been the defense. Gus Malzahn runs the offense. The offense, doesn't matter what offensive coordinator, you shuffle in there and cycle through, the offense looks the same, and it continues to look stagnant, and the quarterback development at that program has been abysmal. It's been horrible. Jared Stidham got worse. Bo Nix has been uh, has has been steady at best in terms of like I, I don't think he's gotten better. I mean, maybe he hadn't gotten worse, but he hadn't gotten better. Um, and and I just think that's again. I mean that's on Gus Malzahn. And then you talked about the recruiting and Georgia's passing you by and recruiting and uh, Alabama's where it is and LSU's passing you by and uh, it's you know Florida is going to continue to be you know, in, in terms of SEC country, it's going to continue to be an issue, a problem. So I, I get it all. Um, so you got anything else on it or you want to talk candidates? Uh, maybe a little more. As, as far as the timing, the, the, the timing was, was really interesting to me because I, I think that just in, in talking to people, we were pretty sure this was going to happen at some point. I didn't really think it was going to happen this year. And I, I think these guys, they looked over and they said, okay, Jimbo's probably going to close strong. That's going to be another top five class for A&M, right? We're going to lose more, more recruiting battles again this year to Clemson. Georgia is going to make another run at number one. They're not going to get there this year, almost certainly. But, you know, like, like they're, they have sort of kicked into a gear. At some point, we, we're not going to be able to contend with that unless we also go all in on recruiting, understand how to play that recruiting game, you know, a lot like Alabama and, and Georgia and recently LSU and certainly Jimbo at AM know how to do. And I think they looked around and said, man, wh- what does our trajectory look like compared to what's happening in Athens and College Station? And 
you know, LSU just won a national title, but they're kind of a disaster this year. Like there's a chance Orgeron's fired after, after next year, you know, especially with, with all the, you know, stuff going on in that program. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Not, that's not me reporting. That's just, I think they're, they're thinking, okay, we, we could get the jump on everybody here and not continue to backslide. We, we can create some new excitement. And I think that was missing from this program. But Brandon Marcello, our, our national columnist for 24-7 national reporter, you know, he wrote a column and said that the, the, the thrill is gone, right? Like there wasn't a whole lot of juice around that Auburn program anymore, especially not on, on the recruiting trail. Like they, they had some good battles with, with Florida State, but Florida State has not met most of their guys on, in the recruiting class in person yet this year. Like they have a new staff. It, like that. Auburn people don't want to be beating out Florida State for recruits in the 2021 class. They want to be beating out Georgia and you know the, Alabama and those guys. So that's that's kind of where where it's at. I I understand wanting to get the jump, but it's also this is not a guarantee that it will work, right? They can think in their heads that Gus was going to backslide, but he had a winning SEC record in all but two of his seasons, right? And he the most games he ever lost in a year was six in 2015. Other than that, he pretty consistently lost either four or five games, but one, you know, eight, nine, and occasionally ten. I think Auburn would sign up for the Gus experience, you know, ten times out of ten if they, if they could take this this eight year stretch again. But I don't know that they would sign up for the next four years, given the direct tra- tra- trajectory, yeah, uh, trajectory of of where this thing is going. Um, that was I don't know. I thought that was important to figure out. Like, wait, what? Why? Why now? Like, why did you guys feel the need to drop the ten and a half million? Which, by the way, I think uh, they started passing a hat for that back in 2018 to make sure they'd have it when 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 the time came. At, at least from what I was told. And I think the rest is you. You know, you, you mentioned Jimbo Fisher. I would imagine the rest of the SEC West has uh, informed this decision a little bit as well. You got Jimbo Fisher. You mentioned LSU. We don't know. We know the deal there. They're always going to be have a national title ceiling. Um, Alabama, we know the deal there. But now Arkansas is looking like they're going to be a tougher out, looking like they're going to recruit well. Uh, obviously, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss is making some waves. Um, and, and so I, I think I could understand the fear of just getting stuck in the mud and, uh, and, and feeling like a, a little urgency to go ahead and, and, and make a move while, while the getting's good. And so, uh, looking away, the, the program's healthy. Um, they, they've got players. It's just not national title healthy. And, um, I don't think it would be hard to maintain what it is. So you might as well get somebody that can maintain it. And who knows, maybe they take it to the next level. That's, that's pretty fair, right? Like, can, can you get somebody else in here? To go, you know, six and four, five and three, three and five, seven and one, five and three, two and six, four and four, seven and one in the SEC. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's not easy, but I, I don't think it's I don't think it's that difficult to do what Gus Malzahn did at at Auburn overall. I mean, maybe getting to a national title game is is you know, I probably wouldn't bet on the next Auburn coach getting there, but like certainly they've they've won one and they've played for one recently. So I, it, it's probably foolish to think that they can't. Um, and I'm just, like you said, I'm not going to fault anybody for trying to chase greatness. And if you got the, if you got the scratch to do it, go ahead, man, roll, like roll the ball out. Let's, let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can win another national title at Auburn. Like there's downside risk in this. It's not guaranteed that you're going to be better 
than what Gus was, but I, I think this is a pretty damn good job and it's going to attract a lot of candidates. I know after the break, we'll go ahead and, and discuss some of those guys and, and maybe the potential fit and, and why Auburn would or, or would not want them. All right. So we are back on Barton and Bud. Really appreciate y'all getting us over 700 reviews. Uh, keep, keep those coming in. Hell, I, we asked for 700, but maybe we can get to 800 or something by signing day or, or, or by New Year's Day or maybe by the national title game. That'd be pretty cool. That surprised both of us. We opened up tonight. I was like, oh, damn. You guys, you guys really do love us. That's, that's great. Um, so let's, let's keep that rolling. Barton, how good is this job? It's an interesting question. It's open-ended. I think it's, uh, I think it's an elite job. I think it's a top I don't know. I, well, look, I mean, it could get, it's a job that's going to pay. It's a job that's going to give you resources. It's a job that um, is, is, you know, wants to be big boy ball. And I, I think it'll do what it has to do to get there, but it is hard. I mean, you are judged against Nick Saban. And I don't like indefinitely, like the idea that Nick Saban is going to be gone in the next five years is just, that's, that's, that's hoping. Um, I don't know that there's any reason to believe that that's true. And so I, I think it, it's, it is in terms of just like jobs that for, for the, for the competitors, this is one of the best because it's a job where you're going to have a chance to prove yourself against the best, uh, it's the best conference, the best division against the best coach in college football. Um, so I think it's really, so it's going to, it's going to attract big fish. Um, but I think, look, when Auburn makes this move, they have to have a pretty good sense. I mean, they're not paying paying 21 million without a a decent sense of who they're going to target. And so to me, there are some obvious names, um, on my, from my perspective, the name that is just like punching me in the face. And you may, you may not agree with this. I think you, you at least understand it as Hugh Freeze. I mean, Hugh Freeze has Alabama skins on the wall. He's, he can coach offense. He can develop the quarterback position. He's sitting there. He's turned Malik Willis, the guy Bo Nix. You know, he, Malik Willis under Gus Malzahn didn't even sniff beating Bo Nix out for the job. And he is now one of the best group of five quarterbacks in the country for Liberty. Um, and he has recruited at a high level now. He has cheated. I mean, like that's been proven by the NCAA. Like they're paying for guys, hotels and stuff like that. That's so there is that. Um, but I think the, the idea that Hugh Freeze could come in and just sort of be the, you know, the lightning rod that that program needs is pretty, is pretty tempting. I completely, completely get why you immediately go to Hugh Freeze. I, I kind of thought so too, um, and, and I, in some ways, I, I still do. Beating Nick Saban, which is crazy because you just fire the guy who had the best record against Nick Saban of, of anybody in the entire SEC, right? But at least Hugh Freeze, yeah, he, he does have you know multiple victories over Nick Saban. If you're Auburn, let's just be real clear about this and not sugarcoat it. If you're Auburn. And you make this move to fire Gus Malzahn. You are saying that you want to be all in on recruiting, right? 
That means you're not against paying for recruits' hotel rooms. You are recruiting against Georgia and Bama and the other schools that play for keeps in recruiting. So none of this little old Auburn on the Plains thing, right? None of this just having one coach on the staff who knows how to you know bend the rules and go go and get a guy and maybe make sure you know if if mom needs mom needs a new set of wheels or something. You know, like you need the entire staff moving in the right direction. You need to know how to do this. Hugh Freeze pulled Laramie Tunzel out of Central Florida. You got to drive by Gainesville. You got to drive by Tallahassee. You got to be, even though he was silently committed to Georgia, didn't didn't, you know, didn't get him there in that living room. You got to go past Auburn. You got to go past, you know, kind of well, kind of past Alabama. You could hang a left on I ten and go to LSU. You know, go down to LSU. That's the kind of battles that in firing Gus Malzahn, Auburn is saying, we want to fight and win. He Freeze knows how to do that. You may not like the methods, but I mean, let's be real. That's kind of what it takes, especially if you're at Auburn. That's what it takes. You need to get like, I really relationships and family, I think are, are probably the real keys to, to the recruiting here. If you're going to make this happen at Auburn, Hugh Freeze is, you know, certainly a relationship and family guy. Um, now he also, like you said, the offense, I, I get that point too. But there are some negatives that I, I don't know that Hugh Freeze is a perfect fit for Auburn. And, and these aren't ones I came up with. It's just talk to some folks today. Number one, obviously, you know, texting escorts. That's not a great look, obviously, for a school at Auburn that is, it's not a Christian university, but it's very tied in with FCA and Christianity and whatnot. Like that's kind of a foundational piece of their program. I think in some ways, that's that's why Malzahn was a good fit there for a long time. They also, a lot of the power players at Auburn were around during the Terry Bowden thing, which just Google it if you guys want all the details on that. But texting escorts, given Auburn's history with head coaches, doesn't really jive super well. Auburn also just got, you know, got rid of a guy in Malzahn who was a high school coach at one point. Like he's kind of in that high school tree of coaches. He wrote the book on the hurry up no huddle spread. You know, Hugh Freeze and him are kind of off a similar tree. And like, I don't know if they want to go down that high school offensive guru road again. Although I think that's silly because if you're complaining about the offense, hiring a guy who is good at offense is not a bad thing, in my opinion. Like I would not personally, I, I think that this criticism here is kind of silly, but this is something I got back from Auburn people. They're like, wait, you know, he's kind of one of these high school offensive gurus. Will this really work in the SEC? I'm like, Yes, it will. It literally worked <laughs> one state over at Old Miss. Uh, I also got told that he would get an interview pretty much no matter what because of the, the Jimmy Sexton, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze rehab tour and that it would make him more palatable for an SEC school to hire him like Tennessee next year. That's kind of what, what I got, the, the feedback I got on, on Hugh Freeze. But I think Hugh Freeze would do well at Auburn. And you got to play for keeps if you're going to fire Gus Malzahn. There's really only only one way to go here. Like you're trying to chase that tenth and eleventh win a year. You're, you're you're not firing Gus and giving him twenty mil to not coach to go eight and four nine and three again. In addition to Freeze, among the na- there's there's plenty of names that have been t- bandied about. I think the other three that really kind of make sense to me are Billy Napier. You know, that was the immediate talking point was like, everyone's like, well, wonder why Billy Napier walked away from South Carolina. Maybe he saw the writing on the wall over here. Allegedly. 
South yeah, Carolina right. people will tell you that Fred Beamer was the number one choice, clearly, over everybody. Depends on who you ask. Depends on who you ask. Uh, yes, and does. so then I think, so I think Napier is certainly a candidate. He can recruit. He's, he's done the Bama thing. He's done the Clemson thing. He's an offensive guy. He's, um, he's you know, they've, they've had success at, at uh, Louisiana, obviously. So then there's Mario Cristobal, um, who is, I mean, that's, Look, if, if recruiting is your main issue with Gus Malzahn, if you just are just irked by the fact he couldn't consistently recruit above like the the like not eight to twelve range in recruiting, well, I, I I can about guarantee you that Mario Cristobal can come in here and get Auburn recruiting in the top five. I feel I feel pretty confident saying that. I feel like uh, some of these sort of periphery. I mean, like. Like that's trouble for like an A and M. That's that's just sort of knocking on the top five door consistently, but isn't going to do it every year right now under Jimbo Fisher. Like Mario Cristobal wasn't going to come in here and do that. Um, yeah, you know, they could they could supplant LSU. I could see them as a from a recruiting standpoint as like that maybe number three team, number four team behind Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia. Um, so that makes sense to me. And then the other one. That makes sense. That, that the more I think about it, the more I kind of like it. Is uh, and you you mentioned him t- before we jumped on here, but Kevin Steele, uh, the defensive coordinator. I know that probably sounds uninspiring to a lot of people, but the defense has been the strength. The defensive staff is pretty loaded. The uh, Kevin Steele has been literally the like director of player personnel at Alabama when he's not being when he's not a defensive coordinator. He's been Nick Saban's recruiting guy. Um, he knows how to recruit and I, I, I just, I could see that working. I could see that being the, I don't know, I the Sam Pittman hire or whatever of this cycle. Yeah. And, and he, you know, he's been a, a head coach before, obviously a long time ago. It didn't work out. He was the head coach at, uh, Baylor? um, yeah. And look at the time, nobody was winning that, at that program. Mm-hmm. So with Napier first, obviously, you know Napier a little bit better than I do. He's done a tremendous job at, at Louisiana. I, I think one of the selling points for him is that he is, he is not an offensive you know, system guy. There is some distaste at Auburn, I believe, for the guys who have their, you know, their system, right? Which I guess, to some extent, that, that's Freeze. Certainly, that, that's, that's Gus. Uh, you know, if you write a book on, 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 how, on the offense you run, I think we can classify that kind of as a system. Um, He's adapted his offense to run pretty much whatever the talent they had there at Louisiana. It's typically a, a pretty good offense. He's an excellent recruiter. I think he's a very innovative coach. And, man, he might have played his hand here just tremendously. Although, I feel like every time Billy Napier says no to a job, a better SEC job opens up. Like, if he tells Auburn no, maybe LSU will open up tomorrow. And then, <laughs> like, that, at that point, I think he needs to cash in the chips. Like, if LSU opens and Napier's already been recruiting in Louisiana, uh, he needs to go ahead and take that, in, in my opinion. Um, Napier could be a good fit. Let me ask you this. Do you know any Pac-12 coaches who do not complain to you about the way Cristobal recruits out there? Yeah, he's shaking things up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a good way for, for, for Oregon, though. In a mm-hmm. way that you like if you're Auburn. Like, he knows how the game is played. He is an excellent recruiter. I mean, he is just on these guys and like recruiting is not just something that these guys do after they coach. Like it is on equal footing with the coaching in that program and some like just to behind the scenes. So some staffs are allowed to make their recruiting calls from home. 
right? Some staffs, like the coaches are, are that fanatical that they make them stay in the building to make their recruiting calls. Um, I know when Jimbo got to Florida State, that was a thing that one of the messages was that he was going to allow his guys to make their recruiting calls from home, uh, which was a change from you know the guy he used to work under. Obviously, Saban's had a, a, ton of, uh, a ton of success, and I'm pretty sure Bama's guys do not have to stay in the building anymore. But like that level of, of just kind of being on the folks who are under you to emphasize the importance of recruiting, that's there with Cristobal. Like anybody you talk to who's around him says he is an absolute maniac about talent, about talent acquisition. He understands how you got to get players. And I could see that working out there. I could also see, you know, them being offered being pretty happy to to steal away a guy who, you know, at least some think is the the guy who Auburn eventually has you know kind of bookmarked to to be Saban's replacement. I don't know if I agree with that, but it's certainly been bandied about. That would probably play pretty well there, and you know he he could get talent out of South Florida as well, given all his connections down there. But Steele, man, that is an interesting one. I when that got floated to me today, I was like, okay, you, you got to sell me on this. What what you're going to fire Gus? You're going to pay twenty million dollars to promote Kevin Steele. And he's like, look, I know this sounds crazy, but you don't have to. Ha- you don't have to have a whole lot of head coaching experience to be successful, which we we both agree with. Like the the recent data shows that that's true. He's endeared himself very well to Auburn power players. He basically runs that side of the ball. Like Gus was extremely hands off with the defense, and from people I've talked to, like they were very impressed with the job Kevin did, not only on the field, but like just running his own side of the, of the ball organizationally and and how he manages his coaches and his staff. And, and obviously they're he's an excellent recruiter and the guy the guys underneath him are as well. If how old is Steele? 62. Getting up there a little bit. Is he that old? So he's 62. He'll he'll be 63 come come March. How old is Nick Saban? I mean like the guy I mean the, the Kevin Steele thing that like that makes me think that if you're going Kevin Steele like you're almost going him as as a precursor to like someone else you're grooming like you almost have to have you have to think two two moves in advance there almost so there is a guy on their staff i want to actually make sure i got this right oh travis williams yeah co-dc like Mm -hmm. they love travis williams there but he's also on defense like like i think if you go kevin Steele, that's kind of a hard sell to me a little bit because of the age thing, but I mean, you could get six, seven good years out of him for sure if you wanted, and then he would just need to go get somebody on offense who, who really knows what they're, what they're doing, um, and, and make sure that 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 covered is stocked on the offensive side of the ball with uh, with, with talent there. Uh, but I I could see it like it, it's not as crazy to me as a thing. Any of these four guys we mentioned actually, I, I could see being there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, do you want to do you want to touch on a couple of the other? Stuff that's popping out there. You got a couple. You have more thoughts on uh, on Auburn. I'm pretty much done with Auburn. Just want to run down two things. Number one, yeah, uh, I don't think Lane Kiffin is a great fit in Auburn, despite the fact he would be an incredible antagonist to like. Like, can you imagine Saban's reaction if, if if he has to deal with like Kiffin's comments on Feinbaum about Bama every single week? Like, that would be dude. It would be awesome. It would be awesome. I mean, I, sorry, I old Luke miss. would assign a desk writer to like solely to like, like, like Luke, Luke and Jamie would be like, the, the, they, they run our desk. We'd be like, all right, you are on Kiffin duty today, like solely every day. Like, all right, who, who's, who's got the Kiffin? Me today. All right. 
it would be it would be awesome like we would do so many clicks off that and it would just be such a it would just be such a fantastic kiffin move to be like one year old miss peace i'm out so we also old miss job. auburn rivalry would go absolutely insane because you remember the last guy at old miss to, to, to peace out was tommy tuberville saying they're gonna have to drag me out of here in a pine box <laughs> and the next day he takes he takes the auburn job uh so man coaches used to say stuff like a lot more just wild stuff before things would go viral you know now, now they're a little more guarded with, with their words some of these old, old-timey quotes are are just fantastic. Matt Campbell, last thing on Auburn here. Uh, I don't get the sense that he wants to recruit in the SEC and and get into all that. And also, Auburn has kind of a weird relationship with Iowa State right now. Gene Chizik was, was from Iowa State. They look at that tenure as largely a failure. They're, I believe it was their president who they got from Iowa State who they had to run off. So probably not going to go back to, to the Cyclones well if you're Auburn here. Not that he would take it. I, I don't think he would. Um, Illinois, Lovey Smith. Um, you know, just he tempted us a little bit with some de- some some decent recruiting at times, some decent defense at times. Never could get over the hump. Um, he's gone. The I feel like the like there there are some very distinct candidates that make sense at Illinois. Lance Leipold makes a ton of sense um, at Buffalo. Jeff Monken at Army makes a ton of sense. Uh, Josh Whitman, their their off their uh, athletic director, is a it's kind of a Wisconsin guy. He's a Barry Alvarez guy. So um, Jim Leonard is a name that might pop up in that search. Those are sort of the ones that immediately, because Monken's from Illinois originally, um, and Leipold is just your quintessential sort of Midwestern success story. We talked about him before, so I'll be I'll be really curious um, how that plays out. There's no search firm there. I would imagine they will move pretty quickly. Uh, one thing that I think is interesting because I've been talking to some coaches today, and I've had. So Jeff Munkin is, is an interesting one because he's still in the Vanderbilt search. Um, as far as we know, uh, he's still hanging around there. I think Leipold's hanging around there as well, along with Clark Lee. And, I, you know, there's this idea that Jeff Munkin would come in and he'd be boring and he can't recruit. And one of the things that's been debunked emphatically by... I would say at, l- at least three different people I've talked to now have said this about Jeff Munkin is he's a maniac from a recruiting standpoint. Oh yeah. Like, like he, he flat gets after it from a recruiting standpoint. Um, like you talk about like, you know, holding people accountable for their recruiting calls or whatever. Like he, apparently he'll just get up there straight up in the, in a meeting room, you know, and, and, put everybody's call logs up on the big screen and, and be like, coach, like, you know, just literally call coaches out one by one. And, and just like, he will, he will absolutely ride those guys to make sure that they are from, at least from an effort standpoint, crushing it recruiting. And so no one's, no one's going to know that because army is only recruiting service Academy players. They're not beating Northwestern and Maryland on guys. They're 
they're beating Air Force and Navy. And so, you know, what, what's his offense going to look like? I don't know. Um, but I do think he would be able to recruit. I do think he can team build. And I think that that's a, that's a pretty good candidate's list because I I've, I've have tremendous confidence in Lance Leipold as well. And, you know, the Jim Leonard thing is interesting. So I don't know who else is going to pop up on that list, but that was, those would be the, the initial three that come to mind. Um, and at least of the two that I've, I've, I've got sort of enough info on to, to feel like I'm informed on, I feel like they'd be really good hires. So I'm looking back here. It's important to kind of figure out what, what defines success at a program like Illinois. What, one of the things I think we both like with Kentucky is Kentucky and Mark Stoops have agreed on what is success. All right. If you hit this, we're going to reward you with, with the guaranteed contract extension. If, if Illinois was drawn up a Mark Stoops style contract, what, what does that look like? What, what is the number of wins in a year that gets you an automatic one-year extension? I'm kind of curious here. Like, what 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 defines success for them? And bowl. and so a bowl. Okay, I would, that's, that's that would be my initial inclination. Just get us above, get us to 500, get us in a bowl. Um, if if we go six and seven, uh, indefinitely, then yeah, like at some point maybe you've plateaued and sure. it's time to level up to something better. But if you're if you go six and seven. For five years, that's a pretty good five-year stretch. You get into bowl games every year. You win in some games you're not supposed to. Uh, I feel like that would be success. That's that's fair. I, so since 2000, we've had 20, you know, 22 seasons, including this one, right? They've gone to six bowls. Now, I'm not saying they can't go to bowls, you know, more often than they have. In fact, I think the right, the right coach probably could take them to, you know, more more bowls than they had. I don't really think Ron Zook was a good head football coach. Tim Beckman went eight and four twice at Toledo and somehow got hired and then got fired for, you know, allegations of, of player abuse. You know, Lovey Smith, I think, was doing some good things, but also, and at times, they were just kind of a mess. It's hard for me to think that this program has been really well coached for a, a long stretch of time. You know, J- John Makovic in, in, in the late 80s went, went to four bowls. That's, you know, that's pretty impressive. Um, Ron Turner. They went to two bowls, actually, including the, the Sugar Bowl. That one year, just out of nowhere, right? They, they went two and six or two and six in the Big Ten the year prior. And then all of a sudden, two thousand one, they they went to the Sugar Bowl and lost to uh, what LSU, I think, was, was the team they lost to. I'm trying to remember back in the day. Um, so the thing is, if you're the AD at Illinois, he's kind of a guy that wants to be splashy. And make make a big splash and, and go out and, and get somebody. He, I don't know how much you follow college basketball, but he actually got Oklahoma State's coach. Yeah, and that like that was considered a, a pretty impressive thing. At least I don't follow college basketball closely, but from what I read, I was like, okay. And then getting Lovey Smith, I think it was a a big splash in terms of name quality. If you're an AD and you hire a coach that currently runs the triple, you are admitting to your boosters a little bit that we have a ceiling on this program which I think it should be obvious to anybody who's smart enough to amass any kind of money in life. To, they might, might want to donate some of that money to Illinois. They should probably realize, oh, so we're not going to win a national title in Illinois? Oh, man, like I'm not going to donate. No, like you should say, okay, wait a second. This is cool. Let, let, let me try to get, get some bowl games more often than not. I think Illinois should look at a guy like, like Munkin. I just don't know that they will. I, all of those candidates you listed, I think, are, are really good candidates. And could do well there, especially if, if Illinois is willing to be patient. 
What else we got? Butch uh, Jones. We got Arizona. Oh, Arizona. That one's a weird one for me. I don't think I have a good feel for who the, you know, the, the I, I, here's what I do know. Arizona's mistake was made the last coaching search when they backed out on Ken Niamatololo, especially when we were about to get Ken Niamatololo with Khalil Tate at quarterback. Um, I, I, I know that like everyone, it's one of those deals where if you are, if you are the school that is hiring the triple option coach, you don't want them. If everyone else wants that school to hire the triple option coach. So I get it. Maybe, maybe Arizona doesn't want that, but I think that would be, that would be fun. Uh, Brent Brennan at, uh, at San Jose state appears to be a, a quality candidate. I, I would imagine Jay Norvell is, is a good candidate there as well at Nevada. Um, um, and, and I keep seeing Ryan Nielsen's name floating around with that one. Who's a former assistant at, um, in the pac 12, who's currently with the uh, saints as their defense line coach was, was D line well, coach NC state guy, the NC state guy yeah. that, um, developed Bradley Chubb and all those NFL guys. Um, so I guess he's a West coast guy. Um, and he's, he is, uh, has a fantastic reputation. I don't know how legit that is for him to be a, a true candidate for that Arizona job, but he's a couple different people have tossed his name out. I thought that was interesting. The, the Arizona job is, is a job. Like if you look at it, they usually are pretty patient with, with their coaches. I mean, they, they don't have crazy boosters. You know, they, they, they gave Mike Stoops eight years. And Rich Rod went six years and went, went to a bowl in five of the six. Obviously, there was a lot of stuff related to, you know, his firing. And it was, you know, off-field type stuff. Um, Kevin Sumlin should have sat out a year of coaching. Yeah. After yeah, a Why do these guys insist on doing this? I, yeah, I think, like, you know, he could have just... He should have just regrouped a little bit, you know, and and uh, and you know, kind of worked on some stuff, and and then got himself back out there. Uh, but this this just this did not go well. Um, I, I will tell you, it, it like talking to my friend Richard Johnson, he says that, you know, he first of all agrees that someone should have set out. He said, but like the the fear sometimes of some of the, these African American coaches is that if they're out of the limelight for even a little bit, they will not get another shot at getting back in the head coaching game. So if they get any kind of interest at all, they feel more pressure to take it. And that, you know, I've never been a black, I've never been a head coach, but I've certainly never been a black head coach. And so I, I really can't speak to that, but you know, I, I know Richard's pretty plugged in there, so I'll, I'll take his word for it. I just, I think someone should have sat out. Um, this is a pretty damn good, like, I think this is a good job based on the fact they can go to bowls pretty consistently, but man, I don't know. It, Herm is doing a good job there at Arizona state. I, I believe I don't think they're going to start winning the league, but you know he's doing a good job there. It's not like your talent base in Arizona is is all that great. I, I don't think they're going to have the success that Dick Tomey had, you know, in the late '80s and you know, all the way to, to 2000. Um, it's kind of hard for me to think they're going to do the same thing that Rich Rod did. I mean, they they played the Fiesta Bowl one year, which I don't even remember now. But um, you know, that, can you go to bowl games two out of every three years? Is, is that success at, at Arizona? If so, I think the number of candidates you have here is probably pretty good. And, and the guy at San Jose State is, is doing a really nice job. Um, I just I think part of the reason I'm not excited about this job. 
I think part of the reason there's some intrigue there is there's still some talent in Arizona, and I think that there's wins in the Pac-12. It's part of the same reason that all these ACC jobs are appealing to coaches because you can get some you can get some wins in the Big Twelve. That's fair. I mean, I'm sorry in the in the ACC you can get some wins in the ACC. Um, and and so I don't know, man. Like we've seen Arizona be really really good. Maybe it's been a while, but there's been some times when that's been it's been a pretty good show out there. Um, Does this excite you then? It, it, it sounds it sounds like you're a little higher on this job than I am. I am a little higher on this job than you are, and yet I still don't know necessarily like that. There's any sexy names that are are uh, would be jumping at this. I, I just think maybe that's the nature of just the West Coast not really have any having any sexy names right now at all. Um, but I, I I think this is um, I think this is a job that's got a little bit a little bit of potential. By the way, speaking of West Coast stuff, a guy who I actually think might really be able to kill it at Auburn, a dude who has coached in the SEC before, but you know, I think is a really, really good coach. They won't do this, but I would be interested to see Justin Wilcox there. Yeah, he'd be good. He's a good coach. I mean, he, and that feels like Cal is like that. Just doesn't seem like a fun place to coach. No. Seems like you got a lot of a lot of obstacles at that program. Just nonsense every day you got to deal with from you know a- academia and, and the local side of things. And yeah, mm-hmm. he was at where what yeah, he was Tennessee's DC for like four years. Uh, he's had a weird little run. I mean, he was he's been Boise's DC, then Tennessee, Boise, USC, Washington, for two years, um, Wisconsin. Uh, he came from Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, like there was a, there's a stretch in there where he was a little bit, he went, he went from like hot name to, uh, then, then he was hot again. Uh, like, so it's just, it was, it's been hard to kind of peg him. Um, but he is, a, I, I, he is a, in fact, a guy that frankly, I didn't think was going to be a good head coach. I didn't, I didn't necessarily get that hire, but he's been good. He's been really good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty impressed, and and just hearing people who are out there on on the West Coast talk about him, I'm like, man, I, I wonder if he if he wants to come back east and and do that, but but probably not. Um, all right, are we gonna have any other jobs open? I've heard a little bit of uh, Cutcliffe retirement buzz. Okay, that, I don't know that, how legit that is, um, but that that I've heard that from a just like this more um, kind of coaches. I and jobs that are like potentially going to come open. I've heard a couple coaches, a couple different coaches have mentioned to me, kind of keep an eye on Duke. Something could happen there. Um, and I guess Virginia Tech, I don't know if Justin Puente is out of the woods yet. Um, those, those are the two big ones that come to mind for me. Speaking of Virginia Tech, I actually did have somebody today float to me that Gus will take a year off and then the Hokies could be a good landing spot for him next year. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if they want to make a bigger splash to hire that. someone better than that. Yeah. Um. Then the other one, you know, the other one that's sort of getting a little bit of buzz, and it kind of came out of left field. I didn't, I didn't necessarily see this coming, but it seems like there's a little smoke around Texas Tech right now. Um. Yeah, they're not happy with him. Yeah. Apparently. That's, yeah. So I, I don't want to do the thing where I tell a program. Like you should be happy with this guy. What do you What do you think? Right? Like they're going to be a better judge of it usually than I will. 
because I'm not inside their program like that. Um, but two years feels very short, man. It, it does. Like I know they had that struggle bus win against Kansas, and that's that's not a, not a great sign. But two years, one of them being a COVID year, I really think patience is extremely important in the early signing period era. I mean, like, like the the returns on these coaches who were hired in this era, you know, since we started the early signing period, if you're not an internal promotion, man, your your track record so far has been pretty pretty bad across the board. And I think a lot of that is because you. Like you're so far behind on the first full class you're going to sign. You're obviously behind on the class that you're you're only going to have like ten or twelve days to put together in in a given year. Um, it's just you kind of have to build through proof of concept and winning as opposed to you know drumming up all that excitement, right? Like the the success for a new coach in the early signing period era now. I'm not going to say this is universal, but this it might look more like what Dan Mullen has done at Florida, right? They didn't get a whole lot of recruiting excitement around them in those first, you know, two classes. He's doing better now recruiting because they have more proof of concept. It used to be you come in, you recruit your ass off. People like teams did not recruit that far out ahead. They didn't almost have, you know, half of their mock class filled out on their board 18 months ahead of time. And they didn't already have all these relationships done and and, and locked up and use a lot of that hype and and the that momentum to kind of get those awesome classes and, and then you won in year three, four, or five. Now I think it's a little bit longer timeline, and I don't know that teams that just keep recycling through coaches like, like this are are going to find the right recipe for success. But I, who knows? Maybe there's stuff there at Texas Tech that I don't know about. Certainly there is. Yeah, that's a weird job. It's a tough job, man. Like It is a tough job. Pull that up there. on Google Maps at home for that, real? Or, or in, in your office. That is not near anything. Lubbock, like recruiting, like uh, Houston, that's not that's not in-state recruiting. That's like you're basically going to a different, like you're that ain't exactly a clean and easy drive. Um, so it's an interesting job. Do you think they fly kids from Houston on officials? They might. I mean, like probably, that. They probably do. Yeah, if you can pay guess. for it. Like it, 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 it takes. What's what's the drive from Houston? I'm gonna look it up. Houston to Lubbock, eight hours and six minutes. That's eight a, hours and six minutes. That's a beast right there. I mean, like, if you look at this, the city, uh, is Lubbock closer to Tucson than it is Houston? Uh, On my map, it, it looks, looks kinda, like it. Kind of close, man. I mean, that's amazing. Um, it's, it's certainly closer to Albuquerque. Uh, it's nine. It's nine hours and forty minutes to to Tucson. That might just but, because there's there's no road that cuts direct, you know, directly right, to the desert. Right. Like, kind of. Yeah. You kind of gotta go a little bit, a little bit off the beaten path there. That's a hard job. That is a. I, I wonder how much their success in basketball has made them think, hey, like, what? Why can't we do this in football as well? You know, because their their basketball guys incredible. Um, yeah, I heard that they just like their. Um, Someone told me today their admin just not happy with Wells, and I don't even really know what that means or why. Or I mean, I guess there's not—I don't know—maybe there's not winning enough. But um, I don't know. It sounds like it may not be a fit right now. Hmm. The uh, there was a columnist down there actually who suggested they hire Art Browse. So yeah, Art Browse is getting some some Liberty buzz. He is, man. That's uh, 
Does Liberty want that kind of buzz given that they already have that AD? Like, do, like, they, do they want to reunite that pairing? You know what I mean? They, they don't, they don't give care. a rip. Yeah. That's what they're, that's their whole, that's their whole existence is just like to give the, give the proverbial middle finger to everyone and be like, we're good. Y'all, y'all do you. I, I think you nailed it. You, you really nailed it. Um, <laughs> so in order to win at Texas Tech, I really think the, the major key here is that you have to find a way uh, to get more talent to the city uh, of Amarillo. If you can do that, I mean, that is like, there's no other football program around there. You, you, can, you can totally clean up. Um, get that El Paso talent. Oh, shout out New Mexico, by the way, for, for getting the win over Fresno on the weekend. I know Fresno was probably a little bit unmotivated given the you know, fact they weren't allowed in their facility for a while and just kind of one of those uh, zombie teams a little bit. But um, good job, New Mexico, getting that win. That was, that was impressive. Uh, Texas Tech is 70th in recruiting right now. Yeah. Not great. They only have 11 commits. Uh, it's interesting. There's a lot of teams with a little, the low commit number right now. Is the, is the state of New Mexico playing playing high school ball this year, or are they, are they waiting? Uh, I don't know. No, like, I'm not sure. Not that Texas Tech is getting all their kids from, from New Mexico, but certainly, I mean, the the states that are waiting, I think you are going to see some some schools that have a little bit uh, fewer commits. Um, the, yeah, there are some really low numbers on this. I, I think part of this is going to be. You know, do do the schools want to save save some spots for transfers? You know, Penn yeah. State's only at fifteen. I saw that. Yeah. Um, you know, Washington's at fifteen. I I get that certainly. Florida State's at fifteen. They're probably going to lose another guy or two out their class. Maybe they'll gain a guy or two. Um, they're probably going to benefit. Actually, we want to talk recruiting. Uh, George Wilson, who uh, was decommitted from South Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. He was looking at Auburn pretty hard, but maybe not not quite as much. Uh, now Auburn was about to Auburn was about to get Terrence Brooks, Trevin Wallace, uh, George Lewis, Wilson. Yeah. Um, what did I say? Did I say did I say Terrence Lewis? Uh, Brooks? Yeah. Sorry, yeah, Terrence Lewis. Um, and now those guys. I don't know if I don't know if they can get any of those guys. There's some Maryland buzz with Terrence, Terrence Lewis. Lewis. That would be an extremely extremely Terrence Lewis thing to do. By the way, I yeah. like just out of nowhere they but Loxley's good for one a year basically just one where the hell did that come uh, yeah. by the way uh i'm gonna have, have to uh have a mea culpa on that one you won the bet we need to go go pull whatever whatever episode this was uh, we we had a bet as for how many days uh robinson the uh high four-star defensive end would stay committed to maryland and he's he's still in the class so, oh, you had him. You had him bouncing. I, I had the under, that. and you you had the over. Like one of our first episodes, um, Jamie Robinson. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's a DMV or man. He's locked Built in. That, Mike Loxley building that wall around the DMV. They, they, they struggled a little bit this weekend. Uh, I I don't know what was up with uh, with, with Talia, uh, but you know that was that was tough. They lost to Rutgers, not great. Uh, but I speaking of uh, over Army, I actually won an under bet in that game, despite the fact that it went to overtime. That's, that's always satisfying like when you win an under in a college game that goes to overtime. Um, that's a, that's a good feeling. I get it. That was difficult to watch. I understand the sensation. I'd rather, I'd ra- feels better to win an over bet when it goes to overtime though. Oh, having lost in regulation, <laughs> yeah. get into those extra minutes and you get that over. That's a beautiful feeling. And, and, and you start doing your head like, wait, do I, 
do I want to kick a field goal here? Do I want a touchdown? Because like, if I right. get the touchdown, but like right. field goal, it depends on how many points you need. Like if you get the field goal, there's a decent chance the other side plays a little more conservative and they get the field goal, and then you know, mm-hmm. you, then you get six points plus a second overtime. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. All right, we we are just absolutely rambling here. It's we, we've gone an hour. Um, cool. I uh, will see you uh, on Wednesday. Get some sleep. By the way, we need to figure out a recording schedule for Wednesday because we're probably not going to be doing a Barton Bud live on CSHQ. I'm thinking we probably don't. Yeah, don't Wednesday. count on don't count on yeah. Barton and Bud on Wednesday, folks. We'll be talked out. Maybe a Thursday Thursday recap show. Maybe a couple of mailbag questions about recruiting for Thursday. Sure. So, or or Friday, and we'll just we'll, we'll drop it on. You can listen to it the weekend before Christmas. So. Hit them up, mailbag, Apple Apple Podcasts, five-star review section. Do it. We'll see you guys.